Don't forget, this is an explicit website and podcast, so if you're easily offended or under 18, this is probably not the show for you. And my guest today is Tony Maiello, and we plan on being as explicit as possible. Isn't that right, Tony? Uh, usually, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's not even vodka o'clock, because it's still a wee bit early. Well, I'm drinking, but... so. Oh, good. Good for you. Yeah, I'm on my second cup of coffee. Uh, I'm on my first Which... beer. Okay. The coffee's out. Okay. The coffee ran out already, so. Okay. Yeah, I um rarely do I make a second cup because I use really gigantic, you know, serving size of three size coffee cups normally. Oh, that's good. So, but I'm uh, so I'm on my second one. So this is equates to like my fourth cup of coffee. Um, but good. What kind of beer are you drinking? Uh, right to the, it's it's still early, so I'm drinking Miller Lite. Okay. Okay, are you a like microbrew guy? Uh, so I've been getting more into them. Um, right now, my new favorite beer is uh, Kentucky Urban uh, Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale, uh, which okay. fortunately can only get in Kentucky. But I discovered it at the uh, Cincy Comic Con uh, over the summer, and I'm just absolutely in love with it. Okay, um, I have not even heard of that one. I know there's like millions out there. But there's this microbrew is a big thing out here in uh, in New Jersey. Oh yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's nice that we've got like brew pubs that have popped up here and there. Nice brew pub out in uh, Pennsylvania, New Hope, Pennsylvania, from the Triumph Brewing Company. Yeah. Every yeah, everything I had there was good. I know in Manhattan there are a lot of uh, bars that have their own, they brew their own beers. I used to uh, work for a uh, pipe fitter and boiler mechanic, and we would regularly go into Manhattan to uh, service the boilers for these big. Uh, stills that they had and that was always nice because the brewmaster would always let me sample what they had and I'd leave there at 10 o'clock in the morning drunk off my ass so <laughs> that's right you are you are right from well not my neighborhood but like the next neighborhood over yeah. <laughs> so what on earth sent you out to the midwest uh well I was working as an electrician and I damaged my shoulder and after a few surgeries, they told me, well, you know, you're, you're done. You're not going to be able to work anymore. And my wife uh, worked for Ford Motors, and they wanted to send her to Michigan. So we were like, well, we got to follow the paycheck. So off we went. And here I am. How long have you been out there? Uh, this is our 14th year out here, I think. 13th, yeah, do people... 13th year. Do people still give you a hard time about sounding like you're from New York? Yes, I get it all the time. Like, uh, I little old ladies ask, tell me, "Oh, you sound like you're on The Sopranos." Of course. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know, and they want to. They they expect us to all look like that and be like that. Well, I I'm kind of like that. So you're a little bit like that. I That's can't. the thing. Like I've never even seen the show, and people uh. are horrified. I'm like, no, I've never seen the show. I understand it was like a you know here in New Jersey it was like you know a a week of mourning when James Gandolfini died. I mean, like the flags oh, were at half mast. Imagine. I mean, I don't. I mean, yes, he he was a, you know a, a great artist and contributed to arts and entertainment. But I thought half mast, really? <laughs> okay, it's not like he. I thought I thought uh, they only did that for uh, servicemen and. Uh... That's what I thought. Nope. 
Nope. Apparently, James Gandolfini and Whitney Houston deserve half. Oh round. yeah. Oh yeah. Whitney Houston definitely deserved it because nothing we need to do more than honor drug addicts. Yeah. Well, James Gandolfini was too. Well, he so, was a drug addict. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm um, something new every day. I mean, I guess he had, you know, maybe been taking care of it for a while, but still, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't the train wreck Whitney Houston was. I mean, she was just outrageous. I just, I think she, the attention, and here we go, get me getting on my soapbox already. Uh, the attention we pay to celebrities is just ludicrous. So let's, let's talk about celebrities then, because here, um, you know, you're, you're involved in the comics industry and, um, probably way more than I am. And, uh, our news has been about Mr. Shia LaBeouf stealing people's work and, um, you know, and he issued sort of, sort of apologies. Right. Um, and you've been too busy with the holidays to maybe even notice what's been going on. You know, I've, I've seen the, the posts on Facebook and everything. I don't, I don't know what he did because once again, he's a celebrity and uh, just because he's a celebrity doesn't mean we have to pay attention to him. Uh, so whatever he did that he stole, uh, I don't know what it was. Okay. Um, he well, he took yeah, he took uh, somebody's graphic novel and made a movie out of it without giving them any credit or paying them or anything. Oh, okay. Well, that's kind of yeah. It was pretty shitty. And then um, he, you know, and apparently this is something that he's done. Like he's he what he is a comic fan. It's you know he's shown up at conventions and like had his own table. Right. And I, not I not too when he popped in there. Yeah, exactly. So he, you know, and he tried to do things, you know, with, it, it appeared, let me put it this way, it appeared that he was doing it without using his celebrity. And now everybody is questioning this, um, you know, that he was just a guy in a baseball cap sitting at a table drawing his little mini comics and like, oh, look, isn't he charming? He's one of us. And now everybody is, of course, questioning the, you know, how genuine he is as a fan because he got very, he got very weirdly philosophical saying that there's, um, that all art since the seventies has been appropriated and that there's, you know, basically that there's nothing original and that everything is created meant to be stolen. And he got really weird. Well, you know, I mean, even that in itself is an argument that's been made before. Yeah. I just, it, you know, I, all he is, is an actor. He, people can't got to stop giving celebrities voices more weight than they deserve. They're no different than anybody else, and their opinions are just as much full of bullshit as anybody else's. So, you know, the, just because they're in the public eye doesn't make them... Uh, doesn't mean you should listen to them. It, yeah, it doesn't mean you should listen to them. It doesn't make them an expert in anything. I mean, you know, I I can spout off all day long about stuff, but, you know, my opinion doesn't matter. It, yeah, like when, when Jenny McCarthy, you know, had spent years telling people that vaccines were bad. Right. I mean, it's like, why are you people even listening to her? Well, all she is is a model. That's all she yeah. does. She, yeah. I mean, she's very she, funny. She's entertaining. But, yeah, she's not an expert. Shut up. <laughs> if, you know, and now that's been debunked. If, now, apparently, her child does not. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm reading these blogs from, like, 2010. For some reason, people are posting them right now saying that she's acknowledging that her son is not autistic. Oh. And it's like, well, good for you. I'm glad you came around. So now that I've angered you about celebrities. Yes. Yeah, I know. Isn't it? How do you feel, though, while, you know, you, you do a lot of comic shows. How many comic shows do you do, actually? I had cut down uh, last year. I think I only did about 
six or seven. Uh, this year, though, I'm going to try to do at least one a month. Oh, okay. So, so when it comes to like celebrity and stuff, there's does the celebrity status of creators bother you at all? Not within the confines of a comic book convention. Okay. You know, I mean, I I I don't think. I think it's not that I have anything against celebrities, especially if they've achieved that celebrity through hard work. But people who are like the Kardashians don't listen to people people. who do nothing. Yeah, they're just a bunch of bubble-headed idiots. Don't you know? Whatever they have to say is not worth anybody's time. Um, but you know, within like within the comic book industry, you want to listen to you know, the luminaries of the industry because they've earned that position. You know what I mean? I don't want to hear, you know, like the top writer for DC, not that I'm naming names. I'm just using an example. I don't want to hear the top writer from DC's uh, missive on what's going on in the Middle East because his opinion in that area really doesn't matter, you know? But if he wants to talk about the comic book industry, then yeah, you want to listen to him. So what about the crossover that happens when people like, um, you know, you know, Anthony Bourdain, right? Yes. And so he was a big comic nerd fan his whole life, too. And, you know, he teamed up with somebody and put out a comic. Right. Um, so do you think that it should remain accessible to people who might possibly be rubber stamping their name on something just to be part of comics uh, or, you know, is you it? Know, I, like, then again, too, I, I have no problem with with that as long as he's not trying to come into the comic industry and try to tell us how we're supposed to be doing what we do you know what i mean it, don't don't formulate um what's the word i'm looking for don't 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 tell comic people their business when you know you clearly are just putting your name on something for a paycheck. I don't know. It's, yeah. I, I am, it's, it's tricky I'm because you, we, con- you know, I'm full of very contradictive uh, statements, but they, they make sense in my head. That's my own personal crazy. Well, I think what that shows is that um, their cases are individual. Yes. You, yeah. You can't, you can't brush everything with the same wide stroke. You know, you can't paint the whole comic industry. You can't paint the whole, any industry. With one brushstroke, everything is because it's made up of individuals. Everything is going to be on a case by case basis because everybody's dead. So I, I did ask um, out there in social media land. Yes. What kind of questions I should ask you? Okay. And so one, you know, at least Meredith, uh, one actually I was just a guest on the on Vodka Clock, uh, wants to know if you've ever tasted the wrong side of Tanya Kay's whip. Tanya K. Oh, from uh, Who Wants to Be a Superhero? Yeah. I wish. And I don't know why she asked. I uh, didn't know what was wish their story. I her whip. Uh, no, I ne- unfortunately, I never got to meet her, although she did seem like a sweetheart. Um, so what's the story there? Did you work on um, on the show or on the book? I worked on uh, Fat Mama, who was the runner-up from season one. Yes, yeah. you know, anybody who watched the show knew the winner of the show was going to get their own comic book. So feedback won season one and he got his yeah. own comic book through Dark Horse. So because right. I, 
I think a uh, Xander Cannon, wasn't it, that did that? I don't remember. I, I honestly don't remember who who uh, who did the artwork. Okay. Uh, so, but Fat Mama was the runner-up, and since she didn't win, she got to do her own comic book. So I took uh, her origin story, and I illustrated it and scripted it. So uh, I got to work on her her comic that she had taken around to uh to conventions i also did uh a story for her second issue which i wrote and drew uh and those comics came out before feedbacks ever did so yeah feedbacks took a really long time to come out yeah, and i don't think the winner of season one a uh, season two rather ever got a comic book they never got his yeah i don't know what that was about but um that's the, the, the diffuser, as he calls himself, Jarrett Crippen. He he at least has a nice, uh, fun job going around to all the Wizard World shows as their MC. Right. Um, so he seems to really enjoy what he does, which is kind of cool. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so uh, Tanya Kay, I know she does um, work occasionally for Broadsword Comics. Oh, really? Yeah, she's um, she'll model for them. Like, she, I guess, became good friends with Holly. And... Uh, I, she's appeared in tarot, so yeah, I know there was. I know she was in a tarot uh, yeah. issue. Yeah, so I guess uh, it's one of those things because I love Holly's Facebook. She always posts pictures of her cat, who looks a lot like my cat. Oh. So <laughs> it was a strange, you strange thing. I'm like, you pussies. I know. We just can't keep our hands off each other's pussy cats. <laughs> so um, yes, yeah, so I had noticed that. Uh, Tanya Kay was in an issue of, of tarot and I guess they're friends and stuff. So it's, it's strange how um, the different branches of entertainment all come together, yeah. sometimes in comics. Well, comics are, you know, the perfect medium for blending different things because it because it's it's art on paper. You can do anything you want. You know what I mean? It's you don't have to worry about a budget for special effects. You don't you know, it's you, you can do anything that your imagination can dream up. Yeah, that's what's really great when they can continue successful shows that, you know, a lot of when you hear about that, that the budget just wouldn't be there right. for a show. Um, you know, because I don't know that you're going to, you're certainly not going to be able to get the millions of people who watched a show to buy the comics, but Buffy is a great example of one that stayed very successful. Um, form, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if Dresden Files is particularly successful, but I'm glad to see that they at least do it. Yeah. That they at least try. To keep it going. Yeah. And I guess X-Files is relaunching because that, that used to be a comic yeah. way back well, when. Yeah. ago from Tops. Yeah, so I, I've just been seeing X-Files mentioned recently and I, I guess it's coming back. That's good. Um, but then, then the other news is Star Wars. You know, now that their licenses are going to be expiring with Dark Horse, that they're going to be, of course, under Marvel because Marvel technically owns them, or Disney owns Disney them. Disney owns. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this should come as no surprise to anybody, really. It's it's really not. It's um, it was just really sad to see the announcements that um, from Dark Horse when they said, you know, this is like a twenty year relationship or something. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, that is kind of sad. You know, it's all legalities and has nothing to do with that, that anybody wasn't doing their job or wasn't any making money. It was just, it's all about property. Well, yeah, I mean, why, property. Why, why wouldn't they want to keep it all in-house? I mean, they own Marvel. 
yeah. to have somebody else publishing the comic, especially something as lucrative as Star Wars, is just silly. Do you get wrapped up in any of the nerd rage about that? No, I don't care about any of that stuff. I mean, it's as long as I'm reading good comics, you know, I, I get good stories, good artwork. I, you know, I don't care who's making what. That's, you know, I mean, it, I'm not making money off of it. It doesn't affect my family. I'm not going to get, you know, upset about it. Well, Dirk Manning wants me to ask you what does make you angry. Oh, okay. Sit back. All right. I got I got I got my coffee and a glass of water the, and the list of things that don't make me angry would probably be a lot shorter. I'm I'm quite the curmudgeon. Do I have to open the bourbon cuz that's next to me too? Yeah, probably, yeah. Okay. It's uh I uh it, it doesn't take I much hear the glasses. <laughs> that was my that was my beer bottles clinking together. <laughs> I I want to get to know Tony better cuz oh. we're you know we're like compadres from the East Coast yes. even though you're you're trapped out there in Hoth. Right. I'm I'm uh I'm a expatriate. Yes. So um so start to fill me in here with you know brotherly love what's the uh I you know I can you know, get I can get hot about pretty much any any subject depending on uh how my day is going. <laughs> Uh, well, I need to know things to avoid for when our paths cross again at a show. Uh, let's see. Things that need uh, – avoid – let's see. What are definite things that will – let's see. That will get me, get me hot right away. Um, <clears throat> don't know the Kardashians. Right. So. Don't bring up the Kardashians with me. Don't ask me about, hey, what do you think about this movie star saying this? And who gives a shit? Um. <laughs> I could give a fuck about anything that comes out of John Byrne's mouth. <laughs> the man is just crotchety and, and miserable and bitter. And I think the comic industry needs to just let him fade into the into the shadows. Uh, he he irritates me. Maybe you have too much in common. Maybe. Is that it? We're probably both of the cut from the same curmudgeon claw. <laughs> but I don't feel I don't feel I'm owed anything by anybody. I mean, I know I haven't done what he's done in the industry. I, you know, I have carved out my tiny little cult following uh and I'm not, you know, I I'm not on the level that he is, but to be so bitter about everything uh I think is just silly. And I, I've never read anything from that man that uh praises anybody else or is shows gratitude for for what the comic industry has given him. He's always bitching about somebody's getting something he's not getting or he's not working on this or he should be doing that. And I mean the thing that the thing that really turned me on him was somebody asked him why he was working on some comic he was doing. I think he was doing it for Dark Horse back when they had their whole Legends imprint. And he said, well, Marvel wasn't doing the Fantastic Four, so I figured I would. And it was just, you know, just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's not good. I'm just. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I get I get. Uh, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has them. And I know a lot of the things I say, a lot of people don't agree with. And that's fine. You don't have to agree with me. Uh, but you have to allow everybody to be able to 
have their own opinion and state what they want to state and respect that they have a difference of opinion than you. Uh, you know, these people who try to shout down other people because they don't believe what they believe or think how they think. It's just, it's just stupid. All of it is just nonsense. There's better things to, to yeah. worry about. Concentrate, in the world. concentrate on, on, on bettering yourself, bettering your, your family situation, creating beautiful artwork, writing better stories. Don't worry about what other people are saying or other people are thinking or other people are doing. Who gives a shit? So if you're going to, um, let's see, you're going to be curmudgeonly. Are you, do you think that you're approachable? I'm very approachable. I, you know, um, as crotchety and grumpy as I can be, I, I think I'm a very friendly and approachable person. I, I, you know, when people, especially at conventions, I love meeting new people. I love talking geek stuff with people. Uh, I love hearing people's theories on, on different stories. And like, I'll talk uh, Firefly with complete strangers for hours because, you know, I'm a huge Firefly fan. And uh, I think, uh, you know, like-minded people need to share their ideas. So um, I just, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm a very approachable and friendly person. I'm kind and generous and I'm just, grumpy sometimes well one of the things that that bugs me and i know this bugs a lot of people is when you get to a creator's table and you feel like there's some like too much distance there like either their head is down and they refuse to ever look up from what they're working on you know that they're intentionally buried and then i've heard stories where people even at the point where they have like the earbuds in yeah and it's like you're at a show to to sell your work which involves interaction. People can't just always look at a table and say, okay, I want this piece of artwork. Right. Because they, it's a connection. At least it seems it's not even just comics. Like people want to know you're not an asshole. Right. Well, you you know, you're not going to be able to sell your work if you can't sell yourself. And if, if the comic fans that come to a convention can't find a way to get to know you or, find something likable about you, why should they buy your work? And if you can't take the time to look up from your table to greet a potential fan and a potential customer, why should they take the time to not only buy your work, but even look at your work? I mean, I when I'm at a table at a con, regardless of what I'm doing, when somebody comes up to my table, my pencil goes down, my attention's on them. I want them to know that I appreciate them coming and checking out my work and I'm there to answer their questions and talk to them or whatever. And, you know, sometimes you have to initiate, you know, just small talk to kind of get them to feel comfortable, which is, you know, fine. That's kind of your job as a, as a merchant. Um, but well, I think that's what, what throws a lot of people off is the fact that you are a merchant, you're a salesman, you're not just an artist and you're not just a writer. Right. And I think that is, it's territory. They don't, feel comfortable going into. Yeah, I think a lot of people, especially artists are, you know, I mean, artists are weird. I mean, we're just we're strange people to begin with. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing this. Um, <laughs> it, it's a very solit solitary world that we live in. I mean, I'm, right now I'm up in my studio. I'm in a I'm over my garage in this room that's probably 18 by 25 and it's full of toys. And I come up here and I spend hours up here by myself every day. And when you live like this, you can become more isolated. 
and not used to interacting with people. But that's something you have to get over. When I first started doing conventions, it was very difficult for me to talk to people. Um, but it's something I've worked on. And, uh, you know, I really enjoy meeting new people at cons, especially at cons, because it's it's people who are into the stuff I'm into. Well, that's what you would you would hope, um, because I don't know. I mean, conventions have been around since like the 70s, I guess. You know, Star Trek conventions mm-hmm. were really the first things that started it. And I, it's a very unique experience that, you know, comics really did this convention thing where you could go and you could meet people. Because unless you're in an industry, like an industry show, um, there's really not a whole lot of opportunity where you go and meet people under one roof. Right. And um, like, I'm thinking of like book expo America, uh, you know, BEA is a huge, huge publishing show, but it's a trade show. It's specifically for people like librarians and, you know, retailers and, um, you know, people in the book industry to connect with the publishers and the writers. Right. So, it's not an experience that, that I think that too, anybody gets. They're connecting with publishers and writers, uh, but it's all industry people usually. It's not as it's not as many fans there, you know. Right, and that's why like a comic con is such a unique experience because you can walk in the door, and sometimes there's a line, and sometimes there isn't. But um, you know, you might find yourself standing next to somebody who's been making comics for twenty or thirty years. And and if you're a new creator, you might be tabled next to one one such person like that, yeah. which is kind of mind blowing. It's like, oh my god, look who I'm next to. Which uh, that actually happened in Detroit, where I I met you was I was at Dirk Manning's table, and he was like having babies like just every minute because Eric Powell was next to him, <laughs> and he was just, like, it was he was losing his mind. <laughs> and uh, it's like, yeah, that can happen. You know, somebody that you respect so greatly could be tabled right next to you. Yeah. And that's and, the cool thing about it. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's a great it's a great opportunity for for people who are in the industry or trying to get into the industry to meet people who, you know, they look up to. And, you know, I mean, you get to meet, I mean, sit next to all sorts of different people at these conventions. And that's another thing, too. You You, you think you might be sitting next to. Uh, you know, a nobody in the industry, but in a few months he might be discovered and become the next big thing. So you, you try to be nice to everybody that you meet because you don't want to come across as being the, the dick at the convention. That's really helpful advice. Pro tip, hashtag pro tip right there, people, if you're looking to get into comics or whatever you're getting into. Kind of, you know, don't be a dick is a really great piece of advice all the time. Yes. In in life. In life, yes. My if if I can pass on words to words of wisdom, it's don't be a dick. Because really, like if you're standing in the line at Starbucks and you get pissed off at the jackass next to you, you don't know because you might need to go into surgery and find out that that's your surgeon. Exactly. And he might... and they could just like leave calipers inside your gut or something. Yeah. Spit loogies in your open spleen or something. Yeah. And do really rude things to you while you're under anesthesia. Tweet pictures of your undersized junk while you're unconscious. <laughs> I bet there are blogs dedicated to that that only surgeons know about, <laughs> like embarrassing things from, from the operating room. Embarrassing junk photos. <laughs> well, I mean, there's these really heinous websites like Revenge Porn 
they call it? Revenge porn. Yeah, it's really, really heinous and awful. It's when, you know, you're sharing sexy pictures with the person you're involved with and then you break up. They put your empty, they put your naked pictures like all over the internet. And it's like the, there are sites like dedicated to it. So that's R E B. Well, the one guy got shut down because he was making a fortune apparently off of this. Really? Yeah, really? Some, some asshole in Texas, I think he was. Um, but it was. Everything's like, bigger in Texas. Yeah, I mean, but it's one of those things where the you know the person may have consented to the photo or the video at the time, but they did not consent to have it publicly posted. Right. So I mean, that's a like you're just asking for it. But at that time, all it takes is you know for something to go up on the internet for a day, and somebody's life could be destroyed. It's like yeah, they're you know your your kids uh you know Girl Scout troop leader had a bad breakup or something, and you know there's her homemade porn on the internet. That's why you just have to be out with your porn. Yeah, like just I, put it out from the beginning. As soon as you make it, I just, throw it out that's that's it. national consumption. That's just it. I'm like, I, I am in control of my own my own uh, homemade porn. See, that's the way I look at it. Get to embrace it. Yes. This way you control the distribution rights right from the get. Yeah, really. You know? And it's, you know, beautiful naked bodies. They're, you know, it's like art. Yes. They're to, be, to look at and be appreciated. Exactly. You can't, uh, you know, you can't fault a body, especially when it's nude. Yeah. I mean, there's like crazy stuff. I think it was in Germany, which kind of surprises me because they're like, I've heard that German porn is like some of the craziest porn ever. German dungeon porn. You've never heard of that stuff? Oh, I've heard of it. I've heard of it. I've just never seen it. Oh, my God. I've seen. When I was. It was so funny when I was in Germany and I and there was porn on the TV because it was just like regular. Like, you have to pay for it. It was like a regular channel. Um, in the hotel anyway. And, but it was like friggin' Ron Jeremy. I'm like, I'm not even watching like German porn. Like it was, it was like American porn being shown in Germany. The hedgehog. Um, but there was, uh, there was a school there that was like covering up their, like the nude art that was, you know, like censoring the nude art or something like that. And I was, I was like really surprised that that was happening. Yeah. People get weird. I remember, uh, before I moved to Michigan, there was this big exhibit in uh, a museum in Brooklyn where some African artist was painted pictures of uh, – it was supposed to be Virgin Mary and used elephant dung as part of the – I guess the, the stand for the canvas or whatever, and people were all up in arms over it. But because the elephant dung represented – life in his culture that you know that's why he used it and i don't know but you know it's art you can't expect- people get offended by anything yes yes they do what's the most offensive thing you think you've done um in my comic strip gapo the clown i put gapo in blackface okay that's pretty bad yeah but there was a legitimate reason for it and if you read the yeah. whole storyline you know it was they mentioned to him about about uh, getting back to the roots of vaudeville and everything, and so he contacts a makeup artist who, you know, did vaudeville makeup, you know, back in the day, and it was this crotchety, withered old woman, and she puts him in blackface because that's the makeup that she used to do back in vaudeville. So it was, you know, I tried to, I tried to 
keep it all in context and not do it just to be offensive, but to do it to, I don't know. As well, it was, it was a means of telling something historical. Yes. And that's, you know, I, I have a, a, a problem when people do get offended by that in sense of like schools wanting to ban books and stuff because of language and um, without the understanding of, you know, times were different. Right. The context of, of when it was done and all that. Yeah. I mean, it's it doesn't make something less hateful, but I think it's there should be a at least a some forgiveness there for what people knew. Well, you know, it's it, I don't even think it's a point of, of forgiveness. It's that's the way it was. That's how it was produced and how it's meant to be consumed from, you know, that point on. But. You know, the old saying is, is if we forget history, we're doomed to to um, repeat it. And if we censor these things that happened in the past because we find them offensive, then people aren't going to learn about them and it's just going to happen again. I mean, there's just there's just so many different generations that see things differently. I mean, there's, you know, when you look at war veterans and how they're they were treated, you know, 20 years ago versus how they're treated now. And um, our entire non-binary sexuality community that's going, you know, trying to be vocal and trying to get rights these days, um, you know, how they're treated now versus how they were treated in the 50s yeah. is going to be different. And I mean, like, you know, celebrities, you were talking about celebrities before, but the fact that you have to come out of the closet. Yeah. And that, now it's a thing. Don't come out. Like, who cares? It's nobody's business whether you, you know, are gay or straight. As long as you're happy, what do you care? What everybody else thinks. I just yeah, that yeah. that stuff it just boggles my mind. Um, recently, who was the 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 Green Bay quarterback had to come out because of these? He came out and said that he's not gay because of these internet rumors. They're internet rumors. Who gives a shit? These people on the internet are stupid. Yeah, but people will be offended by anything, and that's you know whether whether it's you know a sexism or racism or homophobia, and it's and there's a there's a reason if they're personally affected by it, that's terrible. Yeah, I, mean, you, I know, you know, but I, I think you know by by him having to have a, a press conference or whatever he did to address the issue, he's giving all of these lunatics attention. He's he's kind of vilifying them by giving giving them what they wanted, you know what I mean? It's just ignore it. Why is it now, his business? It, you if, if if he's gay or straight, he knows what he is. What what difference does it make if I know what he is? Why do you think that we that we care so much about people because of their jobs? I was just reading a, an amazing article on the New Yorker website and this is exactly what it it talks about why it was specifically about writers. Like why do we care to know the person instead of the job? Like whether it's a football player or an actor or a, a writer or a, a chef. Now there's celebrity chefs. Right. Um, and we, we really want to know everybody's business. Like that's why I do what I do with podcasts because I, you know, I'm not just promoting people's work, but I do want to get to know people on a, on a personal level. And you know, like we were saying before, if I think you're a dick, I'm not going to buy your product. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, does it, do you have any thoughts in the fact that you've been 
around people that, um, you know, the comic scene. I don't know what other types of stuff you enjoy doing, but um, do you do you think that there's justification in us wanting to know the behind the scenes of a public figure's life? Um, you know, I don't know if there's justification in it. I know that I think as a society we do it to kind of personalize things. We, you know, we things that we enjoy or people who we're fans of, we try to find out everything we can about them. Um, you know, I think it's it's part of the fanatical aspect of fandom um where you know you you want to know you know what type of soft drink somebody drinks or uh you know what type of clothes they wear or you know i i think it's it's an elevated aspect of fandom uh when it comes to celebrities now i mean regardless of what i said before i don't think it's totally a bad thing i think it's a bad thing when you put too much emphasis on it um but i think if it's if it's information you seek out out of just general interest uh you know i don't think it's it's harmful but at the same time uh i don't think people really should waste so much time trying to find that stuff out because it's inconsequential uh, if an actor makes good films, you watch the movies. Why do you need to know, you know, what type of cereal they eat? It's it's not going to make their performance any better. I think that this became a really big problem in the last, I don't know, couple of years with the Orson Scott Card um, popularity, like yeah. Ender's, Ender's Game, and the fact that he openly uh, supports bans on marriage equality and he's on the board of one of these conservative, I don't know, defense of marriage, something or other. And, um, and the debate just comes up again and again. Can you separate the creator from the work? Well, see now here, this too. I mean, now this is probably going to make people mad at me, but uh, I've never read anything he wrote. Um, and I don't give a shit about his personal opinion and, but his personal opinion isn't affecting anybody because he is not in a position where he can deny people. Uh, he can't deny gay people the right to marry. He can't, uh, get them fired from their jobs. He, all he is, is an, is a writer and he has an opinion. Maybe he sits on the board of some anti-gay organization but how much credence is put into this anti-gay organization what you know how much uh effect do they have on society not much because i didn't even know that there was this organization uh so it's you know he has an opinion it, like i said before opinions are like assholes everybody's got one who gives a fuck what this guy has to say he's a jackass let him spout off his opinion if you like what he writes read it if you don't ignore it but you can't deny a man a job because you don't like his stance on something that's that's just as bad as denying somebody a job because you don't like their sexuality the, it really um started to snowball when dc had hired him to do a superman comic right. and the artist and forgive me i can't remember which artist it was 
um, basically lost the job because they, I guess they, the way that DC phrased it was they would postpone the book. Um, but at that point, I, I don't know if the artist was paid for the work because I don't know that the work was done. I was under I the impression the, that the artist dropped out because he was given the job as writer. Yes, it came. That's what it came down to. So here, the, you know, the artist lost income. Well, but the, but the artist lost income by choice. Okay. I, now, this is just how I understand it. I may be wrong. I'm not, you know, don't take me as a, as my word is gospel because I, this happened a while ago and I really don't pay much attention to this stuff. But I was under the impression, in, in oh my goodness, I was under the impression that the artist left the project because uh, the Scott guy was given the writing job for the book and he didn't agree with his position on the whole gay thing. So he left the project. That was the impression I had. I may be wrong. And no, I think you're correct. Okay. So in that case, the artist chose to leave the job. He didn't lose it. He left it. Okay. I mean, I don't know how, obviously when it comes to, um, you know, editorial choosing what names they think will be a correct fit for a book in order to make a book successful, financially successful is all that matters. Right. Um, I don't, I don't know that if they would have said, okay, artist, you know, if somebody came to you and said, Hey, Hey, Tony, you know, we know that you hate this guy or you think he's, you know, whatever. Um, how about you pick another writer? Well, I mean, you know, you know that's, as an artist, if I'm given a job, as a, you know, being professional, I have to do that job. I mean, in life, you're going to work with lots of people you don't like. God knows that in my personal history, I've worked with dozens of people who I've downright loathed. But because somebody was paying me to do a job, I did it. And if I had to work with somebody on a project that I didn't like, if the boss is paying me to do a job, I'm going to do it because that's just being a professional. Life isn't about always getting what you want. Life is about, you know, muddling through, finding your happiness and uh, succeeding in what you're doing. You know, you have to you have to think of the bigger picture, you know, especially if you have a family to support. Can you really uh, afford to turn down every job that is has somebody attached to it that you don't like? I mean, it's just I, I, I find that silly. I think that's no, I think that's valid um, advice that sometimes you do have to suck it up and keep your mouth shut. Um, not just comics. That has nothing to do with comics because I've had some really shitty jobs, too. Or, you know, like I really liked my work, but I hated the people, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes you do. You just. Oh, yeah. You go through the grind because of some other reason something else is making you stay there um you know whether that's a paycheck and benefits or you know whether it's because the project you're working on matters more to you than the personal relationships that are going on in the drama it's that's you know again that's not isolated to comics but i think it's one of those things where when i sit through comics workshops uh, we get that same business advice about you know 
be careful about burning bridges and right. be careful right. what you say because it's a very small community. It is a small industry, yeah. Yeah. Um, especially with social media. You know, so you can you can watch Rob Liefeld and Scott Snyder <laughs> go at each other for a day on Twitter and watch the meltdown. It's you know, I mean, bottom line is, if you are a, a freelancer, you have to take jobs where you can find them. We, you know, I mean, like I said before, I'm not, uh, I haven't achieved what most people have achieved in this industry, but. I'm thankful for every little job I get and I take them because somebody's willing to pay me to do them. Uh, we have to be professional because this is a job. Uh, if you're not going to act professionally, people are going to eventually stop wanting to work with you. So, you know, just like anything else, treat your, treat what you do with respect, treat other people with respect, even if they may not, uh, deserve it, but in a professional setting, you want to be uh, kind of above the situation. You know, you don't want you don't want to be the guy who's everybody's pointing at, going, "Oh, you know, yeah, he's the one causing the problems. He he won't do this because that guy said this." Just be professional, be respectful, and you're going to wind up better off for it. Whether you feel better for yourself because you said, "You know what? I I took the high road." Or people see that that you were uh, professional in a a very difficult situation, and they come back because they know that you can handle, you know, what you're doing. So it's, I mean, in the end, you're going to benefit from it. I, yeah, I think that it's um, that's like the blanket advice to take, and then obviously things are going to come down to individual cases and personal issues yeah. and, and stuff. Like I don't know Orson Scott card. So it, you know, what he does only affects me politically. It doesn't affect anything I care about in comics. Right. Um, Cause I never read any of his books either. So I really just don't care. But um, there, you know, there's, there's a lot of obviously like misogynist, uh, complaints and uh complaints about sexism and comics and really terrible things going on with harassment these days that yeah. that now now people are not sitting down and shying up about and they're they're airing their grievances and sometimes they the grievances really get dramatic um but it's really interesting to me that when a personal relationship is affected like sometimes I'm not even aware like you know I had a publisher tell me how sorry he was that something bothered me and i was like what i was like why do you care what i think yeah like i'm a podcaster like i mean i'm i'm a, you know yeah i run a run a website and stuff and i'm a fan but i mean if i don't like your book i'm just not gonna buy it and it was it was a really moving conversation to me because i'm like i the fact that i was even on somebody's radar in the first place and you know it's like it was one of the things where I think he was afraid that like our, our friendship and relationship were going to end. I'm like, no, <laughs> like, you know, you've got like a hundred books sitting here on this table because one of them pissed me off is not, you know, right. it's, it's not a reason for me to, to suddenly say, Oh my God, you're, you know, I'm never talking to you again. No, it's, it's instead having that um, olive branch extended and saying, you know, this is, 
this is what this book is about. Fine. So, you know, I'm just like, no, I'm just not going to read that book. Well, you know, like, the, the, the good thing about that is, first of all, it, it was nice that he reached out to to you because you were offended by something. But it was also good that you were offended by it because it means it's it's stirring the pot, so to speak. You know, it's I mean, all art shouldn't be uh, friendly. It should it should make you think. Yeah. It should, you know, uh, provoke debate and provoke emotion. And I mean, when if I go see a movie and that movie makes me cry, uh, I'm like that. You know, that's great because for for me, I mean, I look at a movie. It's you know, I know it's all make believe and everything. And for it to to bring out any type of emotion in me, I think that they've done a, just a stellar job at what they you know doing what they did uh, because it's not something that happens easily for me you know i'm not going to feel emotional about fiction it's just not the way i am but when it happens i'm elevated about you know my my feelings for that thing elevate because you know they accomplished what they set out to do with me and i find that impressive and i i think artwork whether it's uh writing or drawing or painting whatever when it can in uh bring emotion out of you like that i think it's you know extremely successful yeah because it's well first of all and because tastes are different yeah. obviously you know if in the case of a comic book there's other people out there to buy that book besides me you know right it's that's here you know my four bucks or whatever it could possibly be is not going to it's not going to affect somebody. And the same goes for – from a press standpoint, people will send me review copies and stuff in hopes that I will talk about their work. And I got one this, this week. And, you, you know, what was interesting was that the, the person who sent it to me um, was basically representing somebody else and said, I, you know, I think that you would – you know, I've, I've listened to your show and I've checked out your site and I think that this is up your alley. And, blah, and I thought, okay, wow, this person did some research into things that they think I would like. And I went through a couple pages of this comic, and I was like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> um, I'm like, okay. I mean, like, the quality of the book was okay as far as the the layout and the panels and the, the artwork. It had a real – it actually had um, the, the sort of, like, American uh, – what am I thinking? American Splendor, Har- Harvey Picard style to it. Okay. Um, but as far as like the storytelling goes, like I wasn't finding a story in here. I was like, okay, this is like, it, it was supposed to be, I guess it was supposed to be like a, a gay friendly thing in a sort of parody type of way. But after like four pages, I'm getting like no story. Like, I don't know what this is. I just don't know. And I, just, you know, so it's like, you know, even the review copies, just because you send it to me doesn't mean I'm going to like it. Doesn't, well, it doesn't mean I'm going to take the time to read it and doesn't mean I'm going to like it. Right. So, um, so unless something is like grotesquely awful, I'm never going to like publicly, you know, pan something because it just means it's not for me. You know, there's somebody out there who might love the hell out of it. Well, I mean, I, I'm sure there are people who liked Ishtar, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or Geely, you know? <laughs> What was wrong with Jilly? No. <laughs> I've never actually seen it. But yeah, I mean that's but that's exactly it. I'm like I'm like one of two people that watches Van Helsing because I watch it every time it's on. Like if I'm flipping through the channel, it's on. I gotta put it on. <laughs> 
you know, there's, uh, you know, for the most part, there are movies that might be for you and there are movies that might be for me. And when I am entertained, that is, that is what matters. That's, you know, and that's the thing. It's, it's a movie. It's meant to entertain you. So if it, if it does that, regardless of whether it's good or bad, I mean, there are some shitty movies that I will watch over and over and over again. Uh, but you know, I just, I get entertained by it. And right. And what entertains people might be offensive to other people. So, I mean, especially some of the graphic hardcore violence and sexual violence and stuff. It's like, okay, there's, there's the real torture porn stuff that we see in movies. And then there's like, you can't turn on a TV without there being some sort of CSI show on. Right. I'm like, but because this is a weekly drama that, you know, these actors and, you know, get paid, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars per episode. And I don't know. I don't even know what the writers could possibly make on those shows. But I find it offensive that Hollywood doesn't have an original bone in their body. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that is a little bit offensive. Yeah. Um, but, the, you know, but there's. But I just think it's interesting that if it's presented in the way of a courtroom drama, it's okay. But if it's, you know, a scene from somewhere else, then it's offensive. Yeah. I mean, like, awful shit happens in real life. It's just, you know, it's awful. That's what the news is. Just turn on the fucking news. Life is offensive, you know. It's We're not promised anything when we're born. It's Life is a struggle from the time you come out of the womb. I mean, coming out of the womb is a struggle. So, you know, it, it, life is what you make of it. Try to have fun. I mean, I, I sound I'm, I sound a little philosophical on this thing, which is not like me at all. But uh, I, don't, I think it's darling. I, people uh, people complain too much. I'm just you know I'm I'm tired of hearing people complain about things. I mean, as a New Yorker, it's my God given right to complain, but I try not to most of the time. I try to go about my business and not be bothered by people. Do you think that's something that you had to learn with age? Yes. Like, were you oh. okay? Because I was very rage filled when I was younger. Yes, it's me too. Everything bothered me when I was younger. I mean, I just to the point where I I would avoid going places because I was just going to get pissed off. I would just stay home in my room. I remember living with my parents, uh, and just I just sit in my room. I'd watch videos and play video games, and I wouldn't go out because I just going outside just pissed me off. Uh, but it was something that, you know, you have to you have to deal with as you grow up and you uh, want to become a productive member of society. You have to, you know, interact with people. It's just the way it is. They're not going away, unfortunately. Yeah, with with myself, I, you know, a little self-reflection, I definitely noticed that just the maturity of getting through life and getting through the hardships, you know, you get knocked down. Yeah. And, you know. And at some point when you start experiencing greater hardships, then you can look back and go, oh, God, that thing that I thought was the worst thing that was going to happen to me in the world when I was 21 is like – It was nothing. It was a walk in the park compared to the shit, you know, later. And, um, you know, and that's – some people are lucky. They're they're fortunate, and they sort of like have that, I guess, automatically. But I was really like – I had some serious anger and rage problems. I – would think I still have some anger issues, but uh, I think I'm coping for the most part. <laughs> Better living. You can feel it. There's nothing wrong with feeling it. It's just a matter of how yeah, you. It's not how you how you express it. Uh, 
it's I don't know, you know, it's an emotion. People get mad. Uh, it's an easy emotion too. So <clears throat> it's just you know how you deal with it, how you process it, and what you do with it. Uh, I try to to channel my anger into artwork now. So when I see people that always like they don't seem to express anger, um, I tend not to believe them. I just to me it's like a like they have some kind of superpower that I'm not aware of or like they've had phonies. I just I'm like did you have like some kind of surgery to you know like how did you you know how do you do that it's like I I I don't trust anybody who who doesn't get mad I don't trust because (laughs) can't go through life without getting mad at something it's just the way it is you can't be happy and and accepting of all that life has to offer you because that's just not how people are. There's too much goes on in everybody's daily lives that uh, something doesn't just piss them off. So, Tony, tell me what then makes you happy. Um, It's a shorter list. It's a much shorter list. Uh, Spending time with my son makes me very happy. Uh, Painting makes me happy. Uh, Okay, we're done. I'm telling your wife. <laughs> oh yes, spending time with my wife makes me happy. <laughs> and beer. And oh beer God, yes, beer, beer and coffee. Beer and coffee make me happy. Beer makes me very happy. And <laughs> bourbon. I love whiskey. Whiskey, bourbon, whiskey. Ugh. Do you have a favorite? Do you go through phases? Cause I really, I really go through phases. Um. I like if I'm gonna drink straight whiskey. I like uh, Jack Daniels, um, Jim Beam. Uh, yeah, I can get I can get behind that. Yeah, the uh, like Jack Daniels honey wheat. Honey- oh God, the honey Jack. Yeah, that's the I really. It goes down way too easy. And uh, my buddy uh, introduced me to Jack and ginger ale. Yes, that's one of my regular drinks. And yeah, I've been drinking that a lot lately, and I really, really enjoy that. Mainly because it's easier for a bartender. Because like some of the cocktails that I want, they just look at me like I'm, you know, like inventing shit. <laughs> like, no, really, it's a drink. I swear. So, but you know, Jack and Ginger is something they have the ingredients for and can put together. Right. Yeah, it's easy to make and uh, it tastes good. Yeah, it's very tasty. But the uh, when I was. I was sick a couple of weeks ago or something like that. And I, I got out, uh, I had stopped and gotten a, a bottle of honey Jack on the way home and honey Jack and ginger ale was also good. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's good by itself. Yeah. Honey Jack is good. Just straight just on the rocks. And it really seems, it really gives you that medicinal feel because it tastes like, like those old Luden's honey cough drops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, you know, like, Oh, this is making, this is making me feel better. This is so wrong. <laughs> and yet so right. <laughs> like, you know, especially, especially when I have to go home and I'm by myself and, you know, and I'm like an early person. I'm not one of those up all night people. It's like, you know, so certain people are not really reachable to me conveniently. <laughs> I'm a, I'm an up all night type of person. I'm not a morning person at all. Well, I have a day job, so I get up at, you know, stupid o'clock. Well, see, you know, being a freelancer, I make my own hours, which is probably the worst thing for me. 
And uh, so, you know, if I have to work at midnight, that's perfect because I don't usually go to bed early anyway. So um, it's not it's not the best way to you know get a good night's sleep because it's impossible. But it's uh, it just works out better for me to be able to be up late at night. I'm not a morning person. I never have been, even when you know I was working a day job. I actually am. Yeah, I'm, I'm usually much more productive in the morning, which is why when I feel like my my morning is sucked up by a like terrible commute, uh, I'm like I'm like there's an hour and a half that I could have been productive. I don't miss those commutes. I'll tell you that. Nothing I, I – well, you know what? I, I do miss riding the Long Island Expressway because I got a lot okay. of reading done. Oh. Long Island Expressway, Long Island Railroad. Railroad. Yeah. I was going to say. I, I didn't read while I was driving. Because I, I have the uh, audio uh, Audible subscription now, so right. I sort of read while driving. I listen while driving. I, I do, when I'm up in my studio, I listen to uh, you know uh, audio books uh, while I'm working, and I'm on uh, book four of uh, Game of Thrones, so – uh, I really enjoy that. It's like one of my favorite things to do is listen to audiobooks. Now, is that can you do that while you're working with a script, or is that something just for painting? No, I can do that. Yeah, if I'm drawing, working from a script, as long as I'm I'm creating artwork. If I have to write, I have to listen to music. Um, okay. And if I'm painting, uh, I tend to listen to music also. But if I'm drawing, I will listen to audiobook. Uh, I don't know That's what you know. It's my I don't know how my it is that my brain functions differently when I'm when I'm drawing. I it's almost like I'm using a different portion of my brain than when I'm painting. When I'm painting, I need to be freer. I can I mm-hmm. you know the the audio books help me concentrate when I'm drawing, and the music helps me kind of get out of myself when I'm painting. It's a very odd process for me. And, you know, I hate to sound like one of those artist types who, oh, I need to have, you know, full inspiration when I'm, uh, I, I just, the music helps me relax and gets me out of my head. So I'm, I'm, I'm freer to experiment more with the paint than I need to be when I'm drawing. It's, I, I've had both experiences. I mean, um, because there are times when I write, when I really need, um, to block out just for whatever reason, like the, the background noises get to me, right. but, but the noise and sound of something intentional like music is easier for like, for my brain to just go ahead and like process as it needs to or ignore as it needs to. But yet little tiny sounds that I hear will grate on my nerves to the point where I just want to throw things. And, you know, talking about the rage again, like I'm never going to write this panel because I, you know, because the heating system is making an awful ticking noise and it's, you know, like nails on a chalkboard. Um, yeah, I think, you know, noises like that are 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 very distracting, uh, especially if it's rhythmic, a rhythmic noise like, uh, you know, the, the dripping of water or something like that, because it it, it takes your mind to a different place. It, it draws you away from it, you know. Um, but it, with music, because I think because of the combination of the instruments, I think it helps lull your senses 
uh, you know, it's kind of like music soothes the savage beast. Uh, I think that's kind of what it is. It's you're you're more relaxed. The music relaxes you more than the rhythmic repetitiveness of one sound, like the heat coming up or, you know, uh, a window pane banging or something. So... Well, that's what kind of music do you like? Because I find it really fascinating when like I one of the books that I listened to actually was Stephen King's on writing. And he talked about how he would like blast heavy metal, like ridiculously loud or something. And I'm like, how is that helping you focus? Yeah, that's that's what I listen to a lot, too. Uh, Right now uh, in rotation in my CD player is Cinderella, L.A. Guns, Alice Cooper, Rob Zombie, uh, Tool. And Eminem. Wow, so you've got like three decades covered there. Yeah. So I'm a I'm a big uh, metal guy, uh, big hair metal guy. So because I'm old and that's what I grew up with. So. <laughs> did you have the big hair? I did have the big hair. Yes, as a matter of fact, my and my hair is not. Uh, it's very thick. You know, I have guinea hair, and so it didn't kind of grow down; it grew out. So my hair was like this giant afro that kind of grew up off my head and then down my back. Uh, You're like a chia pet. <laughs> yeah, it was. I was like a chia pet. My hair came down at the longest it was. It was like in between my shoulder blades, and it had to be a good six inches off the top of my head. Uh, there's a picture of me with my two sisters and my mother, and my hair is longer than anybody else's in the picture. I uh, At one point, I shaved the sides of my head, and my hair was so long you couldn't tell. Yeah, so yeah, I had the big the big eighties hair and uh fun times, fun times. That's awesome. I can't believe you said Cinderella. God, they're one of my favorite bands. They're bluesy and rock and it's just Oh, they're awesome. I love Cinderella. Yeah, I used to listen to them a lot. It's so funny. You know what? Kifa has got a new album coming out. The lead singer. Oh my god. Yeah, he's got a new album coming out uh I think in February. Cuz I I listen to you know, I try to listen to soothing things. Now again, this is actually part of my process of dealing with constant anger was to just try to surround myself with soothing things and uh, and people other people find a thrashing bass or guitar really soothing and to me it's not. Oh uh, yeah, that's, me, that's, not... that's that's with me. It's soothing, but you know, it's now. What do you listen to to soothe you? Oh, I listen to like trippy new age music a lot. Okay, because I'll listen to like uh, Jack Johnson, uh, Nora Jones. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I got those in, on my playlist too. I do. I, I have some of that. Um, you know, uh, Hubert Sumlin and um, you know some of the some of the old blues guys. Even some of. The, newer blues stuff because there's a blues uh, we have a lot of blues bands that play around here right um samantha fish you would you know you might dig she's pretty awesome um lee del rey who was on the show like about a year ago he's uh he performs really well and he's always around in this area he goes from like scranton to philly and new york and um but uh you know so I'll, i'll i can either have that on because it's a different kind of energy but, uh, you know, otherwise, I'll if I'm at work, like, you know, all day, just to keep me sort of sane, I'll have, like, massive attack, <laughs> gorillas, <laughs> um, Enya, you know. 
Uh, a new band that I've, I've recently been really into is called The Lone Bellow. And they're from Brooklyn, I believe. And they're kind of folk country rock. They're, it's really good stuff. A lot of harmonies. Uh, I'm, I really enjoy them. And they, they kind of mellow me out. I listen to them in the car a lot. Okay, I'll look that up. When I had a Dennis DeFoya on a couple weeks ago, he's a, a writer from Jersey, and he was giving me names of bands that I had never heard of. So I was like, okay, I need to go look this up. Like this guy, Phosphorescent. It's like so awesome. Like like you're saying, like folksy. Yeah. And it's, you know, I find that as I get older, uh, my musical tastes really vary, and I'm, I'm more apt to try new things. Uh, like this this band Lone Bellow, I, I discovered them online somehow, and I really really like them. Uh, I saw them play live at uh, uh, the Majestic, I think, here in Detroit, uh, and they were good. They were really good. They had a really good opening act. I can't remember her name, but she was phenomenal. Uh, another you know a lot of harmony and you know bluesy sound to her, and I just you know I I like music because. Again, like, you know, a good movie, when it's done right, it, it makes you feel emotion. Music always brings out something. Uh, it it triggers memories. It triggers, you know, different feelings. It's, it's nice to be able to just sit and kind of allow the music to wash over you sometimes. And, you know, again, I'm sounding like one of these big bohemian phonies, but uh, I just, I enjoy, I enjoy the feelings that music can uh, pull from you, you know? Well, I think it's a common experience with movies and, or, you know, TV and music, but I, um, depending on how you, what kind of entertainment you take in, uh, I, I know that people react that way to books. I know other people react that way to visual art. Um, can you think of anything else that ever, you know, gave you such strong emotions? Was it, you know, was there ever a comic book that did anything like that or a sculpture or anything? Um, well, um, you know, I don't, I don't think there's ever been a comic book that has, but I, you know, I always read superhero books and those stories were just, you know, as good as some of them have been, they were never that, deep and I don't think they were ever written with the intentions of drawing those types of emotions out of you but uh I did read um Ray Bradbury's Something Wicked This Way Comes and I remember the first time I read it I was just enthralled uh the the father son dynamic in that I really enjoyed uh the friendship uh between the two boys I thought was something that was you know done real well uh, it, it's my favorite book to this day. Uh, I've read it about, you know, five or six times and I don't read a lot. So for me to read one, you know, piece of literature more than once is, you know, impressive to me anyway. Yeah. I, I, um, I don't read a lot compared to the other people in my networks. Um, because there, you know, there's people that read a, you know, like a book every couple of days or a book a day or whatever, and it's just to me that's like a, you know, again, it's like a superpower to me. Yeah. Um, but I, to me, it's it's common for me to feel that emotional with 
with something, whether it's a book or a comic. Like, I know I've cried over comics. I just can't remember. There's only one that I can remember off the top of my head now which one it was, and I don't know what the issue number was, but it was um, – it actually was a mainstream book, which was shocking. Wow. It was um, – when the when DC was going through like Blackest Night yeah. and all that with the Lantern Corps and there was a backup story or whatever giving the origin of Dexstar, the the cat right. from the Rage the Rage Lantern Corps. And it was about how this cat was like really terribly abused and stuff and that's oh, all I needed was I an animal abuse story. Yes. I felt I really felt bad for that cat. I was crying. Well, that's all I need to see is a is is a cat being abused. I'm a oh. I'm a big animal lover. Uh I'm a big dog person, um, and I, you know, I'm one of these people who believe that if you can harm an animal who is, for the most part, defenseless and just wants to love you, you're uh, a piece of shit and need to be erased from this planet. Oh yeah, absolutely. You, you know, I mean, animals are. My father always would say, uh, "Dogs are the only love money can buy." And I would point out to him that there were hookers down in Manhattan, but, you know, he, but, uh, but yeah, dogs, you know, a dog, all it wants to do is please its master. And it's always so happy to see you, whether you, you know, went outside to take out the garbage or you've been gone for a weekend, that dog gives you that same, you know, over the top welcome home. You know, how, how could you look at a dog and hurt it? I know. Oh my God. It, it automatically, you know, gets me to tears is the, the videos of soldiers coming home from deployment oh, and their dogs going crazy. Yeah. Uh, Amanda Rachel's posted one yesterday, as a matter of fact, and it was just like, you know, the, the noise, the dog had this toy in its mouth and wouldn't let it go. Like somebody else like threw the toy. So the dog ran off to grab the toy. So that when they retrieved it and brought it back, the soldier was standing there and it was this big German shepherd, beautiful, massive dog. And she wouldn't let go of the toy and the noises that this dog was making rubbing up against, you know, their, their human soldier was just like, they were just spinning in circles running just like could not get enough of it. And I was just like, Oh my God. Like, but that's, but it's, you know, it's it's amazing. I have a cat. She could care less when I I don't yeah, you know. I, I used to have two cats, and one of them was really cool. I miss him, uh, but the other one was just a dick. And he uh, when my son came along, he didn't like my son. He would pee on his toys, and he'd pee in the house, and I just I hated that cat. Well, see, this one's different because she actually is very very emotionally attached. Yeah. But to my mom now, because my mom will like make her chicken oh. or make her whatever. So the so the second my mother like gets up off the couch or now like leaves the room or leaves the house, like it used to just be leaving the house. But now it's gotten to the point where if she goes from one room to the next, the cat freaks out. And it's like she she didn't leave. It's like grandma's right there. You're fine. You know, <laughs> but you know, I mean, if they if they actually leave the house, I have to go down like and find her and get her. I'm like, just stop crying. Come on, I'll give you treats. You know, oh. but it's yeah, cats. I mean, cats to somebody. Yeah, so she's not a complete asshole. She's just you know, she just picks and, and right. chooses who she's attached to. Um, but I know. Um, I, oh yeah, anytime I see those like dog soldier videos i'm just like a mess I'm like ugh. and then stupid sarah mclaughlin with the aspca commercials 
Oh, those. I can't, yeah, I can't watch those. I can't watch those. I mean, I'm like, oh, I can't have another dog in the house, but I want one. <laughs> yeah, because you do want to go save them all. And, like, right now, in fact, I'm not sure, you know, when, you know, when the time will come, but um, a good uh, comic creator friend of mine, Erica Schultz, needs to place two, I believe, eight-year-old male cats that are brothers because I guess her father is moving some sort of situation, whatever it is, her father's moving in whatever place he's going to be and he can't have them. So uh, these are darling, darling cats and they're vaccinated and everything. And she's like, I need to find homes for these cats. And she can't, you know, she's been keeping them at her house, at her apartment, but apparently it's against the bylaws. And, uh, it's like, I'm so, like, I would just like, oh, God, I can't, like, I can't just bring more cats in, in here. Yeah. Um, but if anybody's listening in the New Jersey, New York area, and you're, you know, feel like saving a couple of feline brothers, Vlad and Liam still need a home. Do it. Do it. Let me know. I will hook you up with Erica's information. But... See, there's joy, Tony. There is joy. You're not all filled with rage and anger. Yes. What kind of dog do you have? Is it uh, like some I have two. Dog? We have a Beagle Collie mix and a German Shepherd puppy. Aww. And the puppy, is he is adorable, but he is a handful. He's three months old, and he's at that phase where everything is in his mouth. So we're constantly chasing him around the house, pulling things out of his mouth. He's always biting us. and But he's fun. He's a lot of fun. And he's really smart. I'm, I'm shocked at how intelligent he is. So he's going to be easy to train. Yeah, that's good. I've heard that. I used to watch a lot of Animal Planet, and shepherds were always one of the ones that they said was, more, you know, smart. That's why they're police dogs and whatever. Yeah, he, I mean, we've had him three weeks now. He has – he knows his name. He comes when he's called. He knows to sit. He knows to stay. He knows where the food is at. He knows where the treats are located. He's figured all that stuff out. So he'll go and he'll, you know, he'll sit by the treat and wag his tail because he wants a treat. And he, uh, yeah, he's a good little pup. Well, that's good. That's awesome. Is it easier than kids? Um, yeah. Uh, if I had to go through potty training, I mean, housebreaking is, is one thing, but potty training was just so stressful. If I had to do that mm -hmm. again, I, I, I I don't know. I might hang myself. <laughs> you drink even more. Yeah. Well, I don't. Know if I, I don't know if it's possible for me to drink more, but. <laughs> All right, Tony. Let's get some information from you. Where can people find you? What shows do you you know? Do you think you're going to be at? Okay. Well, um, right now the only shows I have scheduled are the MSU Comics, Comics Forum which is going to be in East Lansing at, on the MSU campus uh, February 24th, I believe it is. Uh, I'm going to be going to the Gem City Comic Con in Dayton, Ohio. I, I don't have the dates in front of me, but I'm booked for that show. I'm probably going to be going to DerbyCon in Kentucky. Uh, this is the first year it's going to be a, a two-day show. Uh, that was a fun show last time I did it. Uh, those are those are what I have booked right now, but I'll be in Indiana. Uh, there's a comic convention there. I'm just waiting to send in my registration forms, and I know I'm going to be doing a lot more. I'll post all my con appearances uh, on my Facebook page, The Art of Tony Maiello. 
Um, I, I got rid of my websites, uh, gapoftheclown.com, which hosted my comic strip, uh, is gone, and my old art site is gone. I'll be rebuilding everything in the new year. So if you need to find me or get in touch with me, the best way is uh, The Art of Tony Maiello on Facebook. Okay, that sounds uh, like an easy way to find you if you can figure out the uh, Facebook search. I was looking for somebody that whose page I actually like, so I actually have the the like thing activated, and for some reason it was still the search was giving me a hard ass time trying to find them. They, but they keep screwing around with everything on Facebook, and they're just making it difficult for people to use. I, I I'm worried about uh, what they're doing. I think they did on their way to moving to a pay service and. They just prepped yeah. for it now. Absolutely. Well, I, what I find is easier is if you go to Google and type in, you know, Facebook and then the name. Yeah, that, it, that probably it, would work best. It brings you. It's a much. It brings you to the the link easier than Facebook's own graph search bullshit thing right. that they installed. Yeah, the new search thing is terrible. Yeah. All right. Well, Tony, thank you for your time and hanging in there through all of our Skype and internet problems. Well, thanks um, for having me. During your snowpocalypse out there. Yes. I mean. Stay, stay safe and warm. Um, and uh, I can be found on Twitter at Elizabeth Amber at AmberUnmasked.com. And you might be listening to this through iTunes or Stitcher. I'm not sure. Whatever. Drop me a line. Let me know how you like the show. And um, meanwhile, stay tuned because i got a lot of guests lined up. And hopefully, you know, everybody's having a, a safe and peaceful start to their, their new year. So, Tony, thanks again. Thank you, Amber.